0: Well, good morning, church. I want to welcome all of you who are here today in person or online. Thank you for being with us here. Uh, I love, 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 O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Now, that's an old, old song. Uh, You all may not have thought about this. That song was written in 1710. All right? That means when the American Revolution happened, it was still kind of a newfangled praise chorus. And uh, uh, actually over 60 years old, the tune that we sang it to well, Harry actually made it a little bit uh, a little, a little deeper and helped her there with the bass, but, uh, and drums, percussion. That tune was written in the 15th century. I love this kind of stuff when I see how our forebears, our ancestors, worship the Lord, and how we have received the gifts of their words and the gifts of their music and have integrated into our own worship. Tonight, uh, at the uh, uh, chosen Christmas special, uh, there's going to be some other music (coughs) that dates back even older that has been received by many artists. And uh, some of you may say, well, wow, I've never heard it that way before. And I pray that you'll come, uh, not only for the message of the Nativity of our Lord, uh, but also a time of of worship and of prayer and praise uh, this evening. If you haven't gotten your tickets, you can go online and get them. Or uh, if you bring a check, we'll let you in, as long as the check clears. If the check doesn't clear, and Pastor Joe will remind you that again at the end of our service. Uh, About the the movie, not the check not clearing. Um, I don't know, he may remind you about the check not clearing. Um, We're in our final uh, Sunday of What's in a Name. And I hope this has been a powerful uh, time when the Holy Spirit has uh, ministered to all of us. Um, I, I didn't ask her for permission to, to share this, so I might get in trouble, but, uh, one of the, uh, uh all, first of all, the Advent devotionals, all your Advent de- dev- devotionals were phenomenal. Thank you for your contributions to that. Um, <clears throat> one particular Advent devotional mentioned, uh, my family and that was Leila, And she talked about, you know, uh, the idea of adding sun and, and how we're, uh, uh, my name is Nicholson, or the sons of Nicholas, sons of Saint Nicholas. Uh, my kids still think we're related to Santa Claus, and I don't, I don't dispel that, that that confusion. And uh, But uh, we're also sons of David, or David's sons. And what I love about You All's devotionals is, is that throughout the week as I go uh, about my daily responsibilities and duties and activities, I'm reminded by things that I see, and I happened to be going down County Line Road and I saw Davidson's Liquor and Wine. <laughs> and I couldn't help but think of that Advent devotional because we are Davidsons. We are sons of David because of Jesus Christ. What's in a name? Pastor Joe reminded us as we began this series a lot. And you and I are sons and daughters of God. We are, we, we are adopted into the family of God through the blood of Jesus Christ We're going to be talking a little bit more about the name today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1 and this final Sunday of Advent. Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 55, if you have your Bibles and like to read along, uh, or your phones or tablets or however you read God's Word. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations, that's me and you too, will call me, will call her blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy, holy is his name. What's in a name? Holy is His name. And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. We are sons and daughters of Abraham as well. May God add his blessing upon this, the reading of his holy and his perfect word. Amen. Well, years ago, I was part of an organization that worked in areas of economic development in the country of Jordan. Uh, specifically, we worked with Jordanian Christians, Christians who lived in Jordan, who still live in Jordan. Um, for about a decade, I worked with this group, and they sought to help Christians and moderate Islamic groups with business opportunities. You see, the research had suggested at that time that when people are without hope, militancy grows. And so the idea was, is if we could work with economic development, if we could give people hope economically, if they knew that there was a future for their children, then the desire to turn to militant uh, Islam specifically would probably begin to diminish. Now, much of the initial work that we did was to bring people of faith, Christian media, and publishing houses, some tourism companies, and museums to Jordan to help promote, well, (laughs) and monetize the rich culture of that part of the Holy Land, where the children of Moses lived, where they settled on the east side of the Jordan River. Well, one of the people I worked with was a man named Ali, Ali Abu Shakra. Ali is a Muslim, and ironically, Ali joins us here for worship from time to time online. So, Ali, if you're with us this morning, uh, welcome. We're glad that you're with us, you and your family. He has become a great friend of our family, and every year he sends us greetings at Christmas and at Easter. Well, on one particular day, as Ali and I were together with a group of people, we were walking back from that ancient rock city of Petra. You may know of that city. Ali looked at me and he said, Ike, I I am really struggling with a phrase that so many of the Americans in your group are using. And I said, what phrase? He said, the phrase, bless God. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been to the South or are from the South, but that phrase is right up there with, bless her little heart. You all know what I'm talking about there that are from the South. That's what you say right before you get ready to say something demeaning about somebody, but no one wants to think bad of you. But a lot of people in the South will say, well, bless God. Well, bless God. You may have even heard some preachers that use that on television or radio or wherever you might listen to it. Well, there were some pastors in our group from the south in that trip and every time we went somewhere they'd go bless god bless god it was a phrase that signified their desire to glorify god about something that they saw that they were giving credit to god we would go into petra and we'd see the rising red sandstone of that ancient city carved in the rock that same treasury that you might have saw in Indiana Jones in the last crusade, and somebody in our group said, bless God, look at that. We would stand in the dungeon cell on the mountain of Machaerus. that same cell which was a part of the ancient complex of Herod's castle where John the Baptist was kept just before he was beheaded by Herod Antipas at the request of his stepdaughter, Salome. we were standing there in that small cell not much bigger than maybe three feet four feet by four feet one of the members of our group said bless god bless god because we knew we were just within probably feet of the last breath that john the baptist drew i remember when we stood on the banks of the jordan river where the remains of a fourth century church was discovered Pointing to, at least, that the early Christians, only 250 years away from Christ, believed that that site was most likely the actual place where Jesus was baptized, so much so that they built a church on pylons, which went out and covered the Jordan River. Well, when we were there, all the Baptists were like, bless God, bless God, bless God. Well, Ali said to me, I don't understand, why do you all say that? I mean, how can anyone bless God? God is the author of blessings, not us. All that we can do is receive blessings, not give them. Especially, we can't give them to God. Aren't figures of speech a funny thing? the things that we say, the things that have become a part of our language that because they are said in a culture that we understand, they make perfect sense to us, but we, when we say them in a culture that doesn't understand that background information, it sounds almost blasphemous. Well, we have lots of phrases that we say in the English that we probably never thought of, words that we have probably never thought of. For example, uh, we say good morning all the time. Now my friend Ali, who speaks Arabic primarily, they don't ever say good morning. Oh, if you take a class on Arabic, they'll tell you how to say good morning in Arabic, but what you're saying really isn't good morning. The Arabic people are very poetic. If you were to literally translate the Arabic words that we generally think of as good morning, it would go something like this. The morning is filled with jasmine and roses. Now how would you like to say that to the folks you walk into the office with every morning? they think you're nuts but the thing is is that we many we english speakers have forgotten or perhaps we never knew that good morning is also a phrase rooted in a beautiful theological and god-centered understanding of the world in the old english the word good or goad connected to the divine the old English word goad means pious, it means devoted, it means set apart, it means honorable, it means virtuous, it means large, it means great. Some have even suggested that it could even be used as a possessive, goad-mourning. Literally, a pious day to you. A day that is filled with virtue, if we could only hope for so much. A day that belongs to the divine. Because this day is God's, it is holy. God's day to you. That's just the history of that simple phrase, that we so casually use these days without even thinking of its history what's in a name what's in words that we say what is it in phrases that we say and this is the history of that simple phrase we or at least those in the south so casually say well bless god indeed are we really able to do such a thing this day is God's. Therefore, this day is holy. You and I are God's. Therefore, we too are holy. Mary says, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name like my good friend Ali sometimes I wonder why we use the words we use why does Mary say that why does she bring that in to the song at all well she has just spent the previous verses of this song of Mary this Magnificat of Mary saying things like my soul magnifies the Lord And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Probably not that much different than hollering out, bless God. She just got this news that as a virgin, she is going to bear the Son of God. And her response, well, bless God. (laughs) Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's the great 20th century Welsh Protestant preacher, He was known, by the way, for his style of preaching. That is, as he would spend upwards to a year preaching every week on just one chapter of the Bible, and his shortest sermon in his entire life was 58 minutes. Y'all get off easy, church. (laughs) I recognize that voice. Lloyd Jones points out why she magnifies the Lord. She magnifies the Lord because of God's power. Lots of folks get that, right? But she also magnifies God because of his holiness. Lloyd Jones goes on to say, and this is a quote from his sermon this is one of the keys to the understanding of the whole purpose of salvation, that is, God's holiness. Why is there salvation? Why did God ever send His only Son into this world? Why was there ever a cross on Calvary's hill? And in the last analysis, this is the answer. Because God is holy. Because His name is holy. Because holy is His name. What's in a name? Well, since we're looking at words and their history by what they mean... The word holy means whole. It means complete. It means not lacking. It can mean God is respected. God is worshiped. God is venerated. God is not taken for granted. God is the other. Where all of those other words are, whole, complete, appreciated, That is, as God is everything, we're not. Well, what are we? This is the great debate when we go to talk about God and the divine truths of Scripture. In order to really understand it, we have to begin not only with understanding who God is, but we have to understand who we are as well. And we have to have the courage to be able to say it out loud, to say it in our hearts, to really grapple with the reality of our existence so what are we? We're broken? We're lacking? Some of us here have have been used. Have been taken for granted. Some of us in this room have dealt with a life of constantly being dismissed because of words or actions that have been said to you some of you are struggling with damage and you ask yourself why is the defectiveness of our world so influential on me now listen and and and, and bear with me as we go through this here's how the bible talks about god in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. Well, what does this have to do with salvation? Well, God is eternally opposed to sin. By His nature, God hates the brokenness that we have brought upon ourselves through our own rebellion. By His nature, as a holy God, with a holy name, it is His hatred of sin and rebellion and brokenness that has brought about our salvation. God doesn't hate you. God doesn't hate me. But God hates the brokenness that we have brought upon ourselves as the human race. God who made the world, who made it perfect, the Bible says. A world that God described as, are you ready? Good. Goad. Complete, divine, full, whole, without blemish. Nothing at, wrong, at all wrong with it. But then sin came into the world. Because we chose ourselves as our own gods. And that sin has torn apart not only the world, where there's now death and disease and war, but it also tore a chasm between us and God. And God, in His holiness, cannot tolerate that. God looked upon the plight of humanity. The result of our free will where our parents adam and eve not only freely accepted the bondage of sin but chose well couldn't do otherwise handed that bondage and curse onto us slaves born of slaves are not free and the devil revels in our chains the devil enjoys Seeing our bondage and our brokenness, every tear we shed, every word of anger or hatred that we utter is joyful in the ears of the demonic. And so God, who is holy, who hates the sin that keeps us beat down, must deal with sin because god is holy god must deal with sin he must bring redemption there's that word redemption by the way redeem that's what it literally means to redeem and historically that word means are you ready to purchase another's freedom what a horrible situation to find ourselves in when we don't know The bondage and slavery of our own condition where we refuse to accept the reality of the brokenness in our own life and god's power and god's holiness must be realized because he will cross over from the land of wholeness to the land of brokenness from the kingdom that is complete to our lives where we are lacking the one who is respected, the one who is worshipped, the one who is venerated, not taking for granted, will come to us in our experiences. Our experiences of brokenness, our experiences of lacking, of used, of abused, of dismissed, of damaged, of defective, and He will endure all of those things so that our chains will be broken this is Christmas I I, I know the culture calls us to to imagine Christmas with the beautiful hymns and carols and and festive music and lights and gift-giving and goodwill but Christmas is a declaration of war where God declares war on the forces of darkness, on those that seek to keep us bound in chains. It is God's first volley in a war that will soon end. Remember what the angel Gabriel said to Mary? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God everything about your salvation, everything about what God is seeking to do in your life and my life is holy. Old Brother Lloyd-Jones summarized these events for us. There was no sin in him, that is Jesus. He did not inherit the sin that was in Adam's nature. He was pure. He was holy. And right through the whole of his teaching and everything that he did, this element of holiness always comes out. There he was, born as a babe, yes, but he was not an ordinary babe. He was separated from sin, separate from sinners, no sin in him, holy. What's in a name? And his name, his holy name, his perfect name, his complete name, the name that fully captures everything about him Emmanuel. God with us and from the timbers of that stable to the timbers of the cross from the hewn stone of a manger to the stones on calvary and the stone of the tomb in which he was laid the holiness of god finally fully completely just like holy ones do defeated sin and death that's why mary says and his mercy is for those who fear him, from generation to generation. Luke: 150. And there's that word "and. Because for many of us, when we're confronted with a holy, like every person in the Bible for whom an angel comes and appears to them, we are what afraid just like the shepherds who were sore, afraid. Too often when you and I come into the presence of the holy, fear overwhelms us. Why? Is it conceivable that perhaps our expectation of a holy God is we will be punished? Is our expectation of a holy god that you and i will be put in our place that we will fear receiving what we justly deserve and yet as we humans are so often prone to do we forget the words that god has specifically put into holy scripture grace We've defined that before. We'll define that again. You'll hear this over and over. You'll get sick of hearing it before I'm gone. Grace, being given what we do not deserve. Say that with me. Grace, what we do not deserve. Mercy, say mercy, not being given what we do deserve. Somebody got ahead of me. You know what that means? Somebody have been paying attention. I love you. It is one thing to say God is powerful or almighty. It is another thing to say God is merciful. And what connects these things? God is holy. His holiness, his majesty, his mercy saves us. Yes? And this is what Mary, through faith, had come to understand. Mary, in this magnificat, is summarizing the hopes of the patriarchs of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. She is heralding the promise and foreshadowing of the Messiah and the law of Moses. She is yearning for the justice, for the peace, for the wholeness that the prophets declared. In Acts chapter 7, verse 34, the deacon, Stephen, preaching the gospel, reminds his hearers of the day God came to Moses when they were in bondage in Egypt. He writes, Then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is what? Holy ground. And God says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. Bless God. And now, come, he says to Moses, I will send you to Egypt. And then Stephen says that this word, has been fully fulfilled in the coming of the Holy One of Israel, the one who is named Yahweh saves, Jesus, the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us. Indeed, Mary, the one who is blessed among women, who will forever be called blessed, has spoken, she has sung. And I guess that when we say my brother Ali, when we say bless God, it's just a really kind of short, lazy way of saying, we've been blessed by God. This is the meaning of Christmas. This is Our final week of Advent. Soon midnight will come and the shepherds will hear the choir of angels and they will come and their eyes will see Emmanuel. What's in a name? They will see God who is with us. May as you gather this Christmas Eve, you with the shepherds will also see that God is with you. Merciful God, holy is your name. And because of your holiness, O oh God, because of the holiness of your name, of that name that is above every name we have been redeemed we have been set free lord there may be someone in this room or online today who has not even been able to perceive of their imprisonment they can't even feel the chains that weigh them down lord open their eyes that if there be anyone here today or anyone joining us online, that when they hear your word, they will hear the sounds of their chains falling to the ground as you have set them free. In Jesus' name, amen. If in this moment and in this place today you have heard your chains fall to the ground, At the end of our service, elders will be up here. I pray that you'll come forward and let them know that this day you've made Christ Lord and Savior of your life. If you're joining us online, that you'll press that button and let us know that this day Christ has redeemed you, that we can walk with you, all of you, into the newness of being a holy people of a holy God. Bless God.